Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. Our guest today is the CEO and founder of Rocket Dollar. His name is Henry Yoshida, and it's basically a web platform that lets people invest tax advantage retirement monies into private alternative investments. So today we're talking about investing with IRAs, 401ks into alternative investments which is cool. We haven't done this in a little while, and it's kind of like the best kept secret. We're going to shine a light on it because so many investors have so much money in 401ks and IRAs, and they don't know they can do this. So we're going to talk about that today. I want to give a quick shout out to SV, who left us a review on Amazon. He or she says, I'm so glad I bought and read the yellow book. Yellow book is the financial freedom with real estate book. Everything I need is all right there, freely and generously given. An easy to read map just laid out for me, a literal step-by-step blueprint for how to start buying multifamily properties and how to achieve financial freedom in three to five years. That's awesome. Thank you for that. If you have not read the book, check it out on Amazon. Financial Freedom with Real Estate, a yellow book, can't miss it, same as the title of this podcast. Speaking of which, if you enjoy this podcast, it would be great for you to leave us a review on iTunes. That way we get feedback and and more people find the podcast as well. I also want to give a success highlight, people who have done their first deal. Today is Liz Justice. She did her first deal in Austin, Texas, 40 units valued at $8.3 million. She didn't do it alone. As every multifamily syndicator, she has a team. She also worked with one of our mentors, Barry Flavin. So congratulations on that, Liz. And speaking of mentoring, I'm just really excited about our mentoring program because it allows you to avoid some of the big mistakes and because you're working with a full-time syndicator. In this case, Barry's got thousands of units himself and he's been working for over two, three years with students helping them become successful. So if that's something for you, check us out at dmichaelblanc.com forward slash mentor. It's very simple. You just schedule a call and have a conversation and see where it goes. It's a really a no obligation call. So check that as well. So with that, let's bring in our co-host Garrett Lynch. What's going on, Garrett? What's going on, Michael? So I've got a, a question for you. Obviously, you know, everybody's investing in different things out there. We're obviously very heavy in multifamily, but I'm just curious. I know you have some other investments. What else are you investing in? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I have put the majority of our of the capital in our multifamily deals. It's it's what I know. It's what I love. I I still think it's it's the best investment out there because of the appreciation, the cash flow, and the tax advantages. And and again, they're invested in deals that that you know I know a lot about. So really, the majority has gone into that. But there are arguments for diversifying your your asset allocation. And so my financial advisor has been working with me on that. And there's a few things that that I've looked at that I've invested in. For example, one is precious metals, gold. And the reason for that is because it's a fantastic hedge against inflation. Back in 1910, an ounce of gold bought a very, very nice suit. And today it value about $1,800. It buys a very, very nice suit. So that that gold maintains its value. And of course, the US dollar over that time has lost, I don't know, a thousand percent over time. So gold is a great hedge against inflation, especially in these times. But there's other investments that I'm, I'm looking at, for example, debt funds or hard money lenders, right? These are people who loan out loans to for real estate, either for house flippers or for buy and hold or even for for larger developments. So these are, are debt funds. I really like that. There's not appreciation, but there's lots of cash flow. We're starting to look at, Garrett, as you know, into oil and gas. And 
We love oil and gas because it's so different than multifamily and the cash flow is is really high and there's no correlation. So I think over time for me is looking at different kinds of investments. And I think that's something we want to shine a light on here as well, especially when you have money to invest. A stock market obviously is not the only option. There's other ones as well. And we're going to talk about the alternative investments today as well. Yeah, I, I love the conversation we're having on the alternative investments, but going back to oil and gas, I think it's different, but there's a lot of similarities to multifamily in just the way it produces cash, the tax benefits that you get. There's a lot of similarities, even on, we have a friend of ours that that kind of turned us on to the similarities between the terminology, multifamily and oil and gas. For example, you're, there's operators out there that they'll buy instead of multifamily units, they're they're buying wells and they buy a, a culmination of wells and they make similar improvements to how we would properties. And then those wells are worth more money and they produce more oil. So there's some cool stuff on that. And and just the, you know, this topic is is something that makes us well-rounded. I think that, you know, we're obviously we're we're, we're we love the risk adjusts the returns of multifamily. We think that's always going to be our, our stake. But there's also the sides, the other investments that exist out there that that you can diversify with that that will really help your overall portfolio and your wealth. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good idea because a lot of people listening have money to invest or they're dealing with investors who have money to invest, and you want to make sure you know about the other asset classes so you can intelligently talk about them as well. So that's a really good point. Speaking intelligently around other asset classes, today we're talking about investing with an IRA. Not only if you have your own IRA to invest, okay, you need to know how to use and invest that. And that's why Henry Yoshida is on the show today. But also if you're dealing with investors who have IRAs money to invest, they can actually invest in your deals as well. So this is a tool that you must know whether you're an active investor or passive investor. And, and Henry is going to shine a light on that today. What I love about him is that he's not only a financial planner and been in the finance industry for decades, but he's also a technologist and a startup guy. And I love that. I love technologists that are, are bringing in new technologies into something that's kind of been old and stodgy and paper-based, like the self-directed IR space has been. And so he's on the show today to talk about that. He founded a company called Honest Dollar, and that was acquired by Goldman Sachs in 2016. And so now He's on to his new venture, which is Rocket Dollar, which is focused on IRA investments in alternative investments. So let's get right to the show here with Henry Yoshida. Henry, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. So you've been in the financial industry for, for many, many years. Actually, you, you and you're a startup guy too. You're like a startup guy. And I love this. You're combining alternative investments out of investment IRAs and 401ks, and you've been a startup guy. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, give us well, a little before before we get into the matter of things, though. We want to know is give us a little background on yourself. Sure, and you know when I say finance guy, I was in a very specific part of it. I've always worked with tax advantaged and tax qualified accounts, so four hundred one ks, IRAs, employee stock option plans. It was kind of my niche. I did that for the first two thirds of my career, and then kind of the last one third, and still going strong on the startup side, as you mentioned. So specifically in fintech and developing products and companies that are still using tax advantage and tax qualified accounts. I still haven't lost my my original stuff from my old Merrill Lynch in the early 2000s days. That's pretty cool. So what attracts you to, to, to tax advantage? First of all, what is that? And what do you like about it? Because you spent so many years in that part of finance. Uh, well, it, it's funny. I got into tax advantage accounts almost 
by virtue of economic circumstances. So I started at Merrill Lynch in Austin, Texas, a pretty tech heavy town when the internet bubble was bursting. So it, it kind of became the thing that I did to actually survive and be able to hit the numbers in the program. People that are actually in that business realize that it's probably less financial management in the beginning and more sales and business development. And that's kind of what I did. And I, I just liked it because it put me in a position to really maybe work more with the the everyday person and helping them sort of maximize where they put their assets and less, you know, trying to help the extremely wealthy hide their money. And I've just so stuck with it ever since. You're stuck with it ever since. So what, so what are, give me some examples of tax advantage investments. Like what does that mean? Sure. So just like we talked about the types of accounts, so the 401k and the IRA, and I was always a big asset location person versus an investment and asset recommendation person. So I think that's actually what's allowed me kind of the running joke that I've used throughout my career is that I worked at Merrill Lynch from the year 2000 to the year 2010. And I survived two recessions and the company that I worked for only made it through one of them. So I was acquired by Bank of America. And a big part of that was just that my whole messaging and sort of setup in my career has always been that I've recommended to people that look dollar for dollar, you have an investment, you're interested in this particular investment, but how you hold that investment in terms of the type of account, an IRA, for example, dollar for dollar, you'll make more net return on that particular investment if you don't have to pay taxes on it each and every year as you own it. So that's kind of what I've always done. It's an asset location versus you know a, just a, a straight recommendation of what to invest in. All right. So the idea is that you can hold assets with a 401k or an IRA. Most people think of it more as something you're, you're putting in a 401k that where the company's matching it and that is then allocated over mutual funds and things of that nature. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about something else? Yeah. So that that's usually how people accumulate the larger dollar amounts in these accounts. So I think people sort of know this at somewhat of a cursory level, but you're relatively limited in the amount of money you can put in an IRA, which is an individually driven account on a yearly basis. You know, you've been limited to even this year, it's only $6,500. And when I started my career, it was only $3,000 a year, or $250 a month that most people accumulate a large balance in tax advantage accounts by putting away some portion of their salary or while working for a large corporation. So I know your history, you did that before you were kind of a, you were like me, you worked at a large corporation, kind of found out that you were probably more entrepreneurial than, than didn't want to stay there for the rest of your career. But you know, one of the benefits is you usually have access to this corporate retirement account of 401k, you put big dollars into it, money grows. And once you leave, you have access to it. Now, where I come in and what we do today, and probably what your audience is interested in learning about is that most people actually believe that you can only hold, quote unquote, traditional investments inside. So public stocks, you know, mutual funds, things like that. But the reality is you can actually hold a whole host of investment opportunities and in, in all the way across the spectrum for private alternative, including real estate to traditional, which is the vast majority of money in IRA and 401k accounts. And so what are some of those alternative investments that some of your clients actually have in IRAs? Like, What can you actually invest in? The way to answer this question is actually just by referencing what's codified in IRS tax law or tax code. But it's actually easier to mention what cannot be owned inside of an IRA. So the two things that are actually codified by written code are collectibles and life insurance. So really, at the end of the day, anything outside of that can be owned inside of an IRA, which would include real estate, which would include an index fund ETF, which would include Tesla or Microsoft stock, for example, and so forth. So it's it's usually easier to say that you can't hold these things, collectibles and life insurance, 
everything else you technically can. You just may not be with a provider that allows you to do so. And you can make loans, for example, like you can do a hard money loan for real estate, for example, as well. You can do that. We have customers that do that. So they choose to actually make loans. And, and then the provisions there just go one one step deeper, which is just that you just can't make loans to people that are immediate family members of yours or a spouse, for example. It has to be someone who's a little bit of arm's length away from you yeah. from a relationship standpoint. I remember when I first started raising money, I had, I had lunch with a guy and you know I'm going on and on about how cool the syndication thing is. And he goes like, yeah, and the minimum investment is $50,000. He goes, I don't have, have $50,000. I'm like, oh no, I just wasted my entire lunch meeting with a guy who doesn't have the minimum to investment. And I said, I just, I just threw out there. I said, well, do you have anything in, in an IRA or anything? He goes, oh yeah, I got like a half a million in there. Yeah. You know, and so so many people have money in their four hundred one ks in their IRAs, and they don't even know about this stuff. So let's talk about. I mean, let's talk about real estate. So let's say I want to buy a house or or duplex or some piece of real estate. How do I go about using my IRA? Let's say I'm just going to do a simple. I'm just going to buy a duplex. I want to I want to rent out both halves of it, but I want to do it with my IRA. What are the mechanics of going about doing that? Sure, and just remember using your. IRA dollars to make an investment into real estate is actually not that different than probably buying that same real estate using non-IRA dollars. And, and I start out there just to make the association a little bit easier to say that your IRA has a particular name for it. So you have a naming convention for your IRA. And this is true across all IRAs. So if people look at their IRA statements real closely. It technically doesn't say Michael Blank IRA account. It'll actually have the name of a custodian or trust company for benefit of Michael Blank, for example. So if you buy real estate using your IRA dollars, then you would essentially buy and fill out all the paperwork and complete all the paperwork in the name of that IRA. And that allows you to essentially own the real estate using your IRA. Of course, you're the beneficial owner and controller of those particular dollars. So it's not that different. So when you say, how do you use an IRA to do it? You essentially need to work first with a provider, a custodian provider that allows you to access cash dollars has a naming convention for that IRA and has the ability to distribute it in form of cash to make that purchase of real estate. And that can be done, you know, whole outright in a partnership, a little bit tricky if you actually use loans, for example, but we can get into that a little bit later. Henry, are all custodians the same or are there, are there different ones out there that you find that provide better customer service or are more accustomed to this type of investment? Maybe the way to answer that question is let's, let's step back a little bit. So you mentioned earlier that you just found out that, hey, someone that thought they couldn't make a $50,000 investment turned out they had a half a million dollars in, the, in their IRA or 401k dollars. So if we actually put dollar amounts on that, there's currently, even with the current market environment, close to $30 trillion in retirement accounts, US only. About 12 to 13 trillion is in IRAs and about six to seven trillion is in 401ks. Now to get to your question about certain custodians, there's Traditional custodians, those ones that only let you stay on that investment spectrum for traditional investments. So those are maybe the big brokerage houses that we know about and the big investment firms. So Merrill Lynch, Vanguard, Charles Schwab, you know, Morgan Stanley, if you work with a financial advisor and such. And then there's a side of the industry, self-directed capable IRA custodians of which they control roughly about 400 to 500 billion. And I would say within them, you know, people have varying degrees of opinions on how customer friendly they are in terms of letting you do things like real estate or private investments. I just think that most of them are a lot less tech savvy. So you don't do a lot of the interactions through a website like you might at Fidelity or Charles Schwab. 
And you have to do a lot more with actually sending in pieces of paper and or contacting people. And that's where Rockadeller is trying to change that a little bit. So we're trying to apply this sort of tech first approach to this, thinking that most people today, actually, if anything, we sort of freak out, right? No one wants to answer their phone unless you know exactly who's calling you. Like uh, right now, our phones on silent during this recording are probably going off and no one answers that phone. So my belief is that I, I want to bring tech into the self-directed IRA space. That yeah, sense. I think I think one of the we'll talk about the process of opening an IRA account. So let's go back. You know, yeah. I want to buy a, a piece of real estate, or I want to make an investment in a syndication. The process, like you said, is is very similar. But so I got some money in an IRA. What is the process of actually moving into a self directed account, like such as Rocket Dollar, for example? Sure. And then give us an example of how that paper works and actually sending the money. And like, how does that work? Sure. And so opening the IRA account with us. We have it as an online process. So there are six screens, there are seven clicks. And, you know, just we, we have obviously record data on thousands and thousands of instances. It takes our average customer about three minutes and 55 seconds to get through that process. So we call that part the opening of the account. Of course, that creates the new self-directed or alternatives investment capable rocket dollar IRA. And once that account is established, the second step is that what you're getting to, Michael, is transfer. So you can transfer like kind investments or like-kind assets. So in this case, it's like-kind assets. So another IRA account at presumably a traditional custodian, you want to move, uh, uh, liquidate those accounts or those investments to cash and then transfer that cash into the IRA at Rocket Dollars. That's the second step. And the third one is invest. And from an investment standpoint, if you happen to be doing real estate and you have all the paperwork needed necessary to go make that particular real estate investment, Instead of filling it out as Michael Blank, supported by, I don't know, XYZ Mortgage from ABC Bank, for example, you probably will be filling this paperwork out in the name of the IRA. And in our case, because you said even people that felt they didn't have $50,000 to do the minimum investment all of a sudden find out that half a million, you'd be surprised to find out that most investors buying real estate using their rocket dollar or self-directed type IRAs are doing 100% equity purchases. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And this and this is probably you mentioned something earlier, alluded to it about loans. And what is the issue or the complexity with buying something with a loan? Yeah. So it, it's funny. If we had a little bit of a tree branch to kind of talk to show how we've how we've moved around essentially around the same tree trunk and just going off into certain branches in this conversation so far, that I mentioned earlier that you can use your IRA dollars for investments. You just can't go into investments with people that are your direct relatives, a spouse, a son, a daughter, a mother, father, for example. Well, that disqualification of a person that you can't do business with actually includes yourself. So if you use a loan, it's kind of deemed that you are benefiting from getting a loan yourself, using yourself and your creditworthiness to get a loan to support the purchase of real estate using your IRA dollars. So that's why you can't use a traditional mortgage to get credit to then purchase that real estate. You can only do a non-recourse because then the recourse is only back to the property. So that's another reason why you see a lot of people do a very high, if not 100% equity component purchase. I see. So if you're buying a house, let's say, you would buy that with 100% cash using your IRA. Now, if you're doing a syndication and that syndication uses a recourse loan, is that why people can invest with your IRA in a syndication? That's, that's exactly correct. And then the other thing is typically in a syndication, you're very passive, you're arm's length. So unless it's, yeah. You know, Michael Blank Jr., for example, making that investment in the syndication using Michael Blank Jr.'s IRA account, 
then most of those people are arms linked to you. They probably function in the capacity of a limited partner and you and your organization are the ones making the decision and management of the property. Are there any downsides of, of owning real estate in your IRA or 401k? And one of the things that I remember is that sometimes you, you have to pay this UBIT tax. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So you just need to make sure that you know, you need to determine if you might you might end up being subject to UBIT by the particular investments you make. Now, most people who are using self-directed IRA accounts to purchase real estate are actually pretty knowledgeable in terms of asking that, hey, is this going to be, is this going to trigger any UBIT? So you're trying to do ones that are very, very passive, no business income, for example. That's usually the way to go with that. And I think the more relevant, and we talked about this a little bit before the reporting, is that a lot of tax advisors will sort of advise that, hey, you don't want to own real estate using your IRA dollars because then you don't get any of the tax benefits of owning that real estate. And again, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, you'd, you'd alluded earlier to my financial services background, but I actually also pretty active in real estate. So I have re- active real estate license that I maintain as well, but I've also been in financial services. So I'm a big person on diversification as well. So I think that you know, people should actually own properties, both using tax advantage accounts and using taxable accounts and different properties will probably be more suitable for different types of holding capabilities in those accounts. If you're interested in passively investing in multifamily syndications, we'd love to hear from you. Go to nighthawkequity.com, click the join button and join our investment club, fill out a short form, and then you can have a call with us and we'd be happy to share with you some of our upcoming investment opportunities we have. That's nighthawkequity.com. Talk to you soon. Going off that, Henry, that's that's really a good point. What what do you think are some of the major pros and cons to investing with an IRA versus just cash? Like what if you had to list off the major ones, what what would they be? Yeah, yeah. And and this isn't going to be everyone in your audience, but I know that you'll have quite a few because we have those as investors. But there's actually a lot of people that really like the the tangible aspect of owning real estate, but they don't need to own real estate as an investment for income purposes. So they actually have no need for the, the rental income that may come on a monthly, quarterly, or a distribution basis if they're going into a syndication. And they actually like owning it inside of an IRA because then they don't have to worry about paying ordinary income on any income that may be distributed from these properties. It just kind of goes into the IRA. And again, holding investments, whether real estate or let's say traditional stocks, dividend paying stocks we use as, as the counter example here, is very similar if you think about it at a high level that if you own XYZ dividend paying stock and they pay a dividend on a quarterly basis, that dividend you can take in the form of cash and it would just... If it's inside of an IRA, you would just accumulate a cash balance inside of the IRA with the same tax deferral characteristics. Same as owning a rental property that has a monthly rental income stream to you. And if you don't need to use that money, you could actually just let that sit inside of the IRA and grow tax deferred and no ordinary income taxes or current taxes due. So I think that's one of the pros if you don't need the income. The cons are, of course, are that same counterexample. It's exactly the flip side of that, which is that you have someone that wants and needs to own two rental properties and needs the income from those properties on a monthly basis to supplement their current income. And if you own it inside of an IRA, you can't do that unless you're over 59 and a half. So that's a con. So there are limitations to how and when you may be able to use that particular income with the advantages therein. But you know, I just think that for people most almost every person that owns real estate inside of an IRA 
typically owns a piece of property in a taxable way outside of it. And then most people that probably own a property in a taxable way, a lot of them actually first got into real estate by being what, what we call like the, in the industry, accidental land, accidental, you know, landlord, right? It's their old house. They bought a new one and they just decided to keep the old one as investment property. So how do, how do taxes play into that as well? Like a lot of our investors take advantage of bonus depreciation. Does that still exist for the IRA? Yeah. All, all that stuff would not be applicable if it's owned inside of an IRA. So you don't get the depreciation. You just you just realize that, hey, look, the house kind of turns into like a, you have a cost basis, $250,000 on the property, generates monthly income of $1,250, for example, and you can defer the taxes on on that particular income and you can accumulate it. You can't receive it unless you're over 59 and a half and it's owned inside of an IRA, but you also don't get any of the depreciation. So really it's just like a straight gain on that cost basis if and when you liquidate that property. So it's it seems like you need to have a conversation with your CPA. And and one of the major advantages of having an IRA 401k is that you have a bunch of cash there. You know, is, does it make any sense in some cases to simply liquidate like and pay the penalties and interest to get ch- cash and you use that to invest in real estate? Or is that very, very inefficient? It's a little bit inefficient, but I would actually, you know, sort of be safe in saying that there are people where the situations kind of dictate that that makes sense for them too. So we, we do have people, this is a scenario and you definitely want to consult your tax professional for this, but we have people that decide to use a portion of their 401k today to purchase a property. And I'll use an example here in Austin, Texas. They'll actually use it to purchase a high-rise condo, a a one-bedroom, one-bath condo in a new high-rise here in the year 2023, realizing that, hey, youngest child of three is eight years old today. So in 10 years, they'll be out of the house. They'll be off to college. Maybe I buy this property right now You you know, using IRA dollars. You open a rocket dollar IRA, transfer $600,000 of the cash from a old 401k existing IRA, buy that property with the full intent to actually distribute that property and pay the tax penalties 10 years down the road, thinking that the cost of the the distribution and penalties later and having to pay taxes are going to be less than what the appreciation would be 10 years from now on a $600,000 condo. Yeah. If that makes sense. That, yeah, so they decided to buy today with the full intent that, hey, I'll distribute it. And this happens a lot, by the way, in in self-directed IRA investors who do some sort of like private equity or technology startup investment. Let's say that they do an investment that turns out to be a 35x return. You know, at that point, they may say, hey, it's well exceeded my expectations in terms of what I ever thought I was going to get. I want to take out some of, of, of this and enjoy my, you know, investment success, pay early distribution penalty and taxes that would normally be owed. And instead of a 35xer, they're left with a 27xer. The point is these tax-deferred vehicles are really magic for growing wealth over time, right? Because every time you sell something, you got to pay capital gains on it typically. Mm-hmm. And unless you're doing a complicated 1031 exchange, which you're not, well, you may or may not do with a small rental house, you know, keeping it and growing it in your 401k or IRA is is magical and it just accelerates the compounding. Yeah. So it really should be in everyone's toolbox for for tax planning. Well, and it's just optionality, right? I mean, the whole thing of owning some properties outside of an IRA, owning some real estate investments inside of an IRA is that you have the option. You have the option on when you want to take a distribution. You have the option to decide when you want to pay taxes. If you just own it outright, you have no option, right? I mean, rent income comes in, you know you're going to pay taxes on that in that year. One of the things I like about Rocket Dollars, you're focused really on the technology. And we're seeing that really across the board, making it easier for investors to invest in something. 
Because uh, one of the challenges you know that, that I've seen is when someone invests in their IRA, the process of getting paperwork signed takes days, four, five, six days right. to get them to sign document. And, and many times when you're doing a, a capital raise, you know, you're subscribed in like 48 hours, you're done. And now these IRA investors come in, come in play, and then they finally, you know, transfer the, their wire, their funds 10 days later. And you're like, I'm really sorry, we're kind of oversubscribed. And it's just not easy. Sure. And so what you're doing with Rocket Dollar, you know, making it all electronic, accelerating the process is key. Yeah. And we think, and we're thinking about it that way. So, I mean, it, it's funny, you'd asked earlier about, are there some custodians in the self-directed IRA space that are better than others? And I think that, you know, one of the things is that I just think that our team, we're actually driving, I'm actually driving our engineers and our product designers to think about it from the perspective of the investor. So I'm a private and alternative investor. And I think to myself that if I were designing the particular company, what would I do? Well, would I make it take six days to fill out a piece of paperwork? No, you know, so we've really tried to create the account to look a little bit more like a similar and analogous to making private investments using taxable monies. But my job is to make it work underneath an IRA umbrella. I, I want the investors to have a process that is familiar for all private investments that they've done prior to using an IRA to do so. That's what I think. And we're just trying to take that sort of a consumer focused approach towards creating a self-directed IRA. And I don't think a lot of the legacy or analog providers I really ever thought that way. Well, I think I think part of it, Henry, is is also likely educating these people, right? Because this is confusing stuff for the the average investor. You may not may not fully understand how it all works and ties together. And I'm just curious, how are you guys adding that element into what you do as well? Yeah, so a little bit of guard railing. So again, technology helps solve a lot of this, right? That that by having the information on the individual, you kind of know their particular ages. So you could also do little warnings or little articles that can kind of come about depending on the transactions they do to maybe warn them. So let's say that you are planning on doing your first investment using a self-directed IRA. Well, that'd be a very appropriate time to point them to a knowledge-based article on what a prohibited transaction or disqualified person is. So we explained it very quickly here on this recording that it can't be a relative, a direct relative up, down, sideways and so forth. But people don't remember that when they're trying to make that investment. You know, it's it's up to us to sort of be there to remind them of that. So I think those are little improvements with the education that you can do. And I would tell you right now that the conversation we've had is going to be pretty, you know, in the weeds for a lot of your listeners that I talk to people that, that have MBAs from Harvard that are actually tax advisors right now or professional tax preparers. And they don't know that you can do any investment outside of an index fund or a public stock using an IRA account. So I would say that we're still in the early, early stages of, of this sort of general awareness that you could even do things beyond stocks and bonds with an IRA account. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one takeaway from, from this is if you have a 401k or an IRA, you got to open up a self-directed IRA, right? Because it opens up the possibility of what we just talked about here. So check out. So how can people find out more about you and Rocket Dollar? Sure. So we are at rocketdollar.com. So there's a lot of information on the website. So I, I actually know because we just did a count, but there's roughly about 250 different articles that answer questions and give some overviews of what self-directed IRAs are. They're not specific to Rocket Dollar. They're specific to this particular type of account. And, and again, you're right. I think that in a few years, a lot of people have these types of accounts. I started in the financial services industry as a 20-year-old kid at a time when a lot of the old guys in my office still thought that, you know, 
letting people buy and sell their own stocks themselves on a website is just going to be just terrible for the market. So I almost feel like we're in that kind of mindset towards self-directed IRAs now. And in 10 years, we'll listen to this episode and think, wow, now, you know, literally half of Americans have both types of IRAs, both traditional yeah, it's, and it's self-directed. It's definitely, it seems like this exotic, obscure thing. And what you're doing is making it as easy as open up a bank account online. And that's awesome. So Henry, thanks so much yeah. for being on the show today. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. So if you have an IRA, okay, and it's not self-directed, make sure you investigate this. Look at Rocket Dollar and read their blog posts and open up a self-directed IRA with somebody. Okay. It could be Rocket Dollar. It could be somebody else. I would look for someone that is has a focus on on technology like we talked about, like Rocket Dollar, because it makes the investing easy. But the advantage of self-directed IRA is that you can invest in your stocks, your mutual funds, ETS, but it also opens up the entire world to alternative investments, such as investing in multifamily syndications, buying real estate, investing in debt funds, even possibly buying gold as well. So if you have not done that, definitely check out Rocket Dollar. It's definitely one of those things that has to be in your tool belt. This is such a great episode because I'm sure there's people out there listening that have IRAs and they're like, I can do what? <laughs> and if you know a friend that has that, let them know about this because it's such it's such an amazing tool that you can take advantage of. There are pros and cons, obviously, to both. But if there's someone that's just sitting on their IRA funds and they're like, you know what, I, I can do more with this, it's such a helpful way to create additional wealth. And even keeping it in an IRA, you know, people, they're not going to pay ordinary income tax and everything happens, it stays within inside of the IRA, but that is, is building and growing as long as the investment's working while it's, it would be sitting there anyways. So it's just, a, it's such a cool thing that I really love how Henry's been bridging that gap using the technology. If you're interested in investing passively with or without your IRA, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Our investment firm is called Nighthawk Equity. Head on over to nighthawkequity.com, click the join button to join our investor club and just have a conversation with us. And we'd love to share some upcoming opportunities. And of course, you can use your IRA to invest in that. And it's especially useful if you're working with a technology platform like Rocket Dollar. So it allows you to quickly sign the documents and quickly transfer money into the account that is a super, super advantage as well. Anything else that stood out for you, uh, Garrett? I think that I didn't know that there were six to seven trillion dollars worth of of 401ks out there. And it just seems like such an untapped potential market for, for the alternative investments, right? It's that was that's a new piece of information for me. And and I really love that this exists out there you can you can reach out to people we have a handful that come into our deals and and they've loved that situation but having the the amount of untapped resource out there for even for operators is something that should be a focus yep. is, is yeah. educating these people I, I i agree and and you know Corey peterson for example he specializes in that he that's all he puts out a lot of information around investing with the ira because that's what he does and he's right i mean six to seven trillion is a staggering amount of money. It's like the example I, I said on the show about this guy who didn't hardly had any, he had no liquid cash to invest, yet he had a half a million dollars in his in his IRA and his 401k. And that is really the opportunity. So if you can educate your investors about this thing, it's going to unlock hundreds of thousands of dollars that no one thought were there and available to you. So make sure you add the IRA investing as your tool bill. Check out Rocket Dollar and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. 
take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.